Welcome to the weekly podcast of Calvary Chapel, South London, a church where the truth of God's word meets and transforms the reality of our daily lives. We hope you are impacted by this week's teaching. Well, good afternoon again. Uh, my name is Robert. I'm one of the, the pastors here, and um, it's my privilege to, to be sharing God's word with us today. Um, <clears throat> you are probably aware that a few weeks ago, we began a, a short series talking about, about marriage, and I said that at some point we'd come back to it. Um, here we are. Marriage matters, and we've done just one kind of topical message on, on the issue. Marriage matters, and it's got a double meaning. Marriage matters in that <clears throat> marriage matters. It's important. It's vital. It's a serious consideration. But there are also marriage matters or there are issues that are related to marriage that we need to talk about, whether we're single or married. Amen. And um, this week and next week, we're going we're gonna to do two more, two more messages in the run up to a marriage enrichment ministry that is going to be launched on the 11th of October right here. Um, at the LCM building, <clears throat> and it's going to be bi-monthly, and it's going to be on Saturday evening, and again, starting on the 11th, which you've already heard in terms of the announcements. Well, to today, Marriage Matters, part two, and we're going to be talking about good-looking Christian men. <laughs> Is that a single lady I hear? Responding in, a, in an unusual fashion. <laughs> Good-looking Christian men. Sounds like an advert for a Christian dating agency. And we're going to be looking at the text. Right? We're going to be looking at what the Bible has to say about this. And we're going to be in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 22 to 33. So if you take a minute to turn there. Um, I will join you there in a minute. Good-looking Christian men. Who wants one? Good-looking Christian men. Who wants to be one? I'll let you decide as to which one of those questions is more important. But whether you are looking to obtain one or looking to become one, there's only one place to find them, and that's in the church. How many of you know that we live in a, we live in a world that puts a high premium on outside, outward, physical appearance? Right? We're talking about good-looking Christian men. Our world puts a high premium on what a man looks like. Over the past 10 years, gym membership for men has skyrocketed. Years ago, men went to the barbers. Now, many have scheduled hairdressing appointments. Men braiding their hair now is... It's pretty much a common thing, right? Men, get, men getting their hair in plaits and braiding their hair. It's kind of common. It's not even a talking point, is it? 
It's a, it's a recent thing. And, and if you think that's... Now, some of you are thinking, recent? I thought it was always like that. Some of you who are younger, like you see men braiding their hair, it's like, standard. You don't know anything different. Well, I'm old enough to... Rem- I'm old enough to remember men relaxing their hair. Talk about braiding their hair. Obviously, and obviously I'm talking about black men, right? For, 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 for you, for you uh, uh, white Caucasian brothers, you don't have to relax your hair. Your hair is relaxed enough as it is, right? Praise the Lord, man. But, um, you know, black men in the, back in the day used to relax their hair. You remember Jerry Curls? You remember S. Curl? All right then. SQ, popularized by, by MJ, popularized by Michael Jackson. See him there? Huh? And, um, and do you remember, right? Those of you that remember, um, it took a lot of work like, to maintain, you know what I'm saying, that amazing appearance. Slick and everything. But the thing is, you, it, you, it's like... <laughs> it's like a man would have to use like a whole half a can of hairspray um, solution pollution, if anything, you know and I'm saying on his head. And tutus, you'd lie down against the sofa, and there'd be all these. You remember coming to America with 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 um, Eddie Murphy, and the whole family sat down on the sofa, took a picture or something. And when they got up there with these four patches on the sofa, the stuff's dangerous. You know what I mean? And it's like, huh. No, apparently 50 Cent's trying to bring it back. I don't know if you heard about that, but trying to bring, I'm not even joking. Trying to bring back the S-curl. Now, <clears throat> years before that, for those of you that think that's going back, like taking it back, years before that, you know, men used to press their hair. If my mum was here, she could give me a witness. Where's, where's, where's Mr. Carnegie? Mr. All right, sir. Are you? Nat King Cole, all right then, Nat King Cole, you know what I'm saying, it's like men you suppress their, like, like, where did you feel, <laughs> you remember James Brown? Do you think his hair looked like that naturally? <laughs> we have, man, we got a, a, a modern phrase, it's actually not that modern now, it's called, you, you know what they call men who like are really serious about taking care of their appearance? We talked about it before. They're called a metrosexual. It's actually a combination of two words, which is metropolitan and heterosexual. Metrosexual. And um, it's com- you know, completely straight, right? This individual, I would say. I mean, obviously, you've got different individuals with a different sexual inclination, but metrosexual is not, it's not, it's not, a, it's not a homo thing. You know what I'm saying? It's men who just are really serious about looking after it. It was coined in 1994, and it describes a man who is especially meticulous about his grooming and appearance. My point is, there's great pressure on women to look good, but now, over the past 20, 30 years, there's also a great deal of pressure on a man to look good or to be a good-looking man in natural terms. Now, years ago, it was, it was standard procedure, right? <clears throat> if a man wanted to find a wife, where would he go? Standard. Like, he'd come to church. We know that, like, it's like such, it's common knowledge, right? If a man wants a, a, a wife, notice. 
not just, not just any old woman. If he wants a wife, he would come to the church looking for. And, um, and that's because there are loads of women in the church, right, numerically speaking. Um, but where do did, where did the ladies go, you know what I'm saying, if they want to find a husband? Well, it's, it's the same answer. Good-looking Christian men are to be found in the church. I can hear some ladies speaking under their breath saying, well, <laughs> that may be true, Pastor Robert, but they're few and far between. It's kind of thin on the ground, maybe, some ladies may say. Well, that's the one thing that I'd like to address today. The men are here, you know, ladies, but they need encouragement. The men are here. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I bet that's a mum who said that. But what? It's not. Oh, it's a very mature woman who said that. Amen. Amen. The man, and, and you know what? It's no great surprise that the man them need help. You know what I mean? But I think we, what we tend to do is, having a conversation with Pastor E last night, it's like what we tend to do is we will caricature men as jokers and shoot them down in flames. That's not productive. Although there is a time when a man needs a slap around the mouth. He needs, a, he, he, he needs to be braced up. We, I need to, we need to be braced up. There's a time for that. You know what I mean? But it can't be that all the time. So, you know what I'm saying? Let's see if we can find some encouragement. Ladies, good-looking men. If you want one, he can only be found in the church. And men, if you want to be one, it's only going to happen. It's only going to happen in the church. Are you in Ephesians 5? Right. Well, let's pray and then read And then we'll get into it by God's grace. Amen. Heavenly Father, thank you that when it comes to not just this issue, this topic, when it comes to any issue or any topic, you've got it covered. You've got much to say. The Bible's a big book. You've got much to say to us that relates not just to the next life, but that relates to this life. And we know, Father, that Everything in this life relates to the next life. And so, Father, would you help us as we try to exercise ourselves towards godliness? Physical exercise is good in this life, but spiritual exercise benefits us in this life and also in the life to come. Father, would you help us this afternoon to be good-looking men? And, Father, would you help the ladies to be able to recognize it and see it when it's apparent? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So let's do it like this. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to attempt to speak to the ladies. Now, I'm not, I, I think I should, I should say that, and I said it the last time we spoke, and you're going to see a few quotes from Brother Vodibokum, um, who's definitely influenced my thinking and even a lot of the material that we use. You know what I'm saying? So um, I say that up front, and this is something I saw him do, and I thought it was amazing. And so I'm going to take the opportunity to, to do it also. You know, we've we got to be careful about plagiarism, right? You know what I'm saying? As, as Christians, and we, we need integrity in that sense. 
But at the same time, there's a lot of stuff that's been said that we only will end up repeating. You know what I'm saying? Because God's word ain't really changing. Maybe the way that we communicate it is different, but we're communicating the same truth. And, and so um, thank God for men who have been able to communicate very clearly but succinctly, which is definitely not my gift. So <clears throat> what I'm aiming to do is I'm going to aim to speak to the ladies, right? Ladies in the house? Yeah. All right, let me see you say hey. <laughs> All right. I'm going to attempt to speak to the ladies about what to look for in a husband, right? Because I suppose to some degree we have to make it specific, but it's going to be loose at the same time because we're trying to relate to everyone. I want to speak to you ladies as to what to look for in a husband, whether you're single or married. I suspect that's every female in here, right? <clears throat> We're not going to bash the men today, ladies, right? Because I'd be a masochist, right? I'd be beating up on myself. But the hope is to indirectly, as I speak to you, ladies, to indirectly speak to the man, them. You know what I mean? And it's um, hopefully in a, in a manner that's going to be helpful rather than harmful. So, ladies, you ready? Now, obviously, we are not talking about physical appearance when we talk about good-looking Christian men. Now, surely that goes without say, right? Or does it? From, <clears throat> from this vital text on the subject um, is where I'd like to draw our principles from. Let's look at what to look for in a husband, so, Ephesians 5, starting at verse 22. I'm reading from the ESV. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body and is himself its savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Husbands, love your wives. Love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church. Because we are members of his body. Therefore, a, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound. And I'm saying that it refers to Christ and the church. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself and let the wife see that she respects her husband. I'm hoping that as we read through that, you begin to see some of the principles that I'm going to aim to draw out for us today. <clears throat> if you're single, ladies, hopefully this is going to help you to know what to pray, help you to know what to look for. 
Ladies, if you're married, hopefully this is going to help you to know what you've got to pray for in your husband. Number one, first principle, he must be a man. It's like, we, it was a while ago, transitions, the, the singles kind of ministry, unattached ministry. Um, we had opportunity to talk about this in a sense, you know what I'm saying? But I think it needs to be reiterated, particularly knowing the culture and the climate that we're living in. Number one principle, he must be a man. Verse 22, wives, potential or actual, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. Wives, husbands. Now, I'm not going to draw everything out of the text. Obviously, it's topical, and I'm not aiming to exposit the whole of the text. I'm focusing in, as I mentioned, on the men as I speak to the ladies. My emphasis isn't on ladies. Notice that it says, submit to your husbands. That's not my emphasis right now. It's like, for once you can hear that and and not have to consider, at this point at least, what that means, that comes next week. But what what I want you to, to, to think about is what to look for, what to pray for. He must be a man, and I'll say that because, you know, there are, there are ladies, if you may not be aware of it, who struggle just like homosexual men. You have homosexual ladies that are struggling with the whole thing about, I need to be married to a man, or I need to be at least attracted to a man. Like a few years ago, myself, Mark, and Neil, we were at college And the lecturer came out and said, today we're going to talk about the biggest issue that is facing the church today. We were like, what? Wow. Okay, then. And we were like, I wonder what that could be. And they said that the biggest issue that's facing the church is homosexuality. And not just outside the church, but they were actually talking about inside the church. And another time we had a lecturer that came in and spoke to us about the issue. And at the end of the message, he said, please pray for me. Because I'm a homosexual, I'm ho- I have homosexual tendencies, and I, if I had my own choice, my own selfish, sinful choice, I would rather be with a man than be with a woman. It's a big issue, and I think we can't talk about husbands and wives again in this context that we're living in without making reference to this, because there may be a lady here who feels inclined. To women. So the first, indirectly speaking to the men, but mentioning to the ladies that the first point that we see from the text is that marriage is heterosexual. It's heterosexual. He must be a man. The original definition of the word husband, biblically or from the dictionary, in terms of the definitions, are really clear, and they're both the same. The dictionary definition of a, of, a, of a husband is a married man, considered in relation to his wife. The definition from the Bible, I mean, wow. In Genesis chapter 2, verse 25, of many, many, many verses, says, and the man and his wife, the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. 
Now, if you're here today and you've never ever read the Bible or been exposed to the Bible, you might look at that verse and think, oh my goodness, what on earth is that all about? The man and his wife were both naked and not ashamed. <laughs> Let me not go there. It's actually very decent what's going on. We, can't, we can no longer take it for granted that a wife's partner is always going to be male, yet the Bible and the dictionary, at least at this point, they agree that a husband is fundamentally defined as a man. The second point, he must be a man that leads. Look at verse 22. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. Now, I'm not sure if you can see, but there's a responsibility distinction between the husband and the wife. The husband and the wife, they don't, they're, they're, they're fundamentally not the same, that we know that. But they also fundamentally have, in conjunction with that, have different roles and responsibilities. Verse 23 says, as it goes on, for the husband is the head of the wife. Even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its savior, verse 24, now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything uh to their husbands. Like I said, we've got a lot to talk about next week. But for the men, it's like the husband has a specific role to play in relation to his wife that is significantly similar, similar to the specific role that Jesus plays in relation to the church. I'll say that again. The husband has a specific role in relation to his wife in the same way that Jesus has a specific role in relation to the church. Look at verse 23 again, just one more time. For... The husband is the head of the wife, even, you see the similarity, even as Christ is the head of the church. Question, who is the ultimate leader of the church? It ain't Pastor P as good looking as he is. It ain't Pastor E as brolic as he is. And it ain't me. Notice, I said, who is the ultimate You'd be like, oh, I thought you guys were leaders. Well, we are, but we're not the ultimate leaders. We're not the ultimate authority. Jesus is. He's the head of the church, which we are all a part of, if we've put our trust in Jesus and repented of our sins. See, Jesus has the final word on all things related to the church. Question. Who is the ultimate leader in the marriage. Now notice I never said who's the only leader in the marriage. But come on now. I mean I'd be I'd be I'd be I'd be stupidly ignorant if I didn't listen to at least the things that my wife has to say to me in regards to very important issues. Be... But at the end of the day, ultimately, who's the leader? Although I may not look like it. I may not feel like it very often. You may, as, you know, as, a, as a man, you, you struggle with it. But you know, at the end of the day, if, if, the man, if, if the Lord made you a man, then you just have to get with it. 
You have to, you have to, I have to submit to that and say, all right then. If you want evidence of the fact that you're a man, just look in the mirror. Just before you get in the shower. And if God made you a man, then he made you a leader, particularly with, with reference to marriage. Now, ladies, can you see how or why this is? Can you see why it is so important that you make sure you marry a Christian? If, if this man has been given the ultimate responsibility with regards to leadership, if you're going to marry him, huh, don't be so frustrated that you may not necessarily be married yet. See it as a blessing. I know in some ways you might feel like it's not, but you know what? Very often in life, circumstances are, are what they are based on your perspective. Count it as a blessing, and this is, and this is another opportunity for you to, to find out from God exactly what you ought to be looking for. See? You see, you don't want a man just who calls himself a Christian in name, but you want a real genuine, born-again, Jesus-loving, Jesus-serving, Jesus-honoring, Jesus-following, regular church-attending, regular church-serving type Christian. That's the, kind of, that's the kind of man that you want. That's the kind of man that's been outlined here in Ephesians 5. This is so that you know what to look for if you're single and desire to be married. And what you... be like, so what about me? I'm married. I got married last week. <laughs> it's like, maybe... I, what, what do I do as a lady? Well, you're, be, you're potentially beginning or being reminded of what you need to pray for your husband. Now as men, <clears throat> ladies, as men, we, we need to be aware of this. Because we can tend to play ignorant and be like, oh, well, I never knew that that was my role. I didn't know that that was my responsibility. I didn't realize. And that's apart from blame shifting, you know what I'm saying, putting the blame on someone else for so, as men, we need to be reminded of this, ladies, <clears throat> that God is holding us as men responsible for everything that relates to the marriage. The condition of the relationship, the order in the home, money, the kids. Now, the man doesn't necessarily do all of that. You know what I'm saying? There's some men that feel like, oh, you know what I'm saying? He has to be the one that controls the money, and his wife like, only gets, you know what I'm saying, a budget. Now, that's not a bad thing. That's actually a good thing depending on how your wife is with money. You know what I mean? Um, but it doesn't mean that you have to do that, because she might, she might have a, good head, a better head on her shoulders when it comes to figures and finances. You know what I'm saying? So, and you can delegate that authority, but <laughs> let, it be, let it be delegated authority, isn't it? You don't have to do it all, but you as... I'm talking to the ladies, right? He doesn't have to do it all, but he, I mean, if you know, he is the CEO, 
And that's not with emphasis on being the big boss. You know, you've got some bosses. They don't, it's like, they want to tell everybody what to do and they don't want to do nothing. All they want to do is stomp around and talk about how this ain't done. No, that's not what we're talking about. CEO in a sense that he's the one who is fundamentally accountable. I heard, was it, there's, there's some, there were some problems in, in the northeast of England with regards to child abuse and so on, some big scandal with account. Who did, who, who's, who's in the firing line? The, the chief executive officer. Now he, oh, he I don't know the, the story, but I suspect he doesn't have anything to do with it specifically, you know what I'm saying, directly, personally, <laughs> But he's the head. And he's the one that they've asked. I mean, I think big pressure. Is it um, the Indian shadow conservative secretary for something or other? Vaz, Keith, Keith Vaz. He told him, you know what, Bridget? You need, to, you need to resign. It's like straight. I don't even know what's happened since then. My point is, he's the one that's fundamentally accountable. See, men, ladies, as far as the man is concerned... He's the one with whom the buck stops. That's what we mean. Remember, Eve ate the fruit, but God came looking for Adam. Well, she ate the fruit first. He ate the fruit, but God came looking for Adam. Ladies, is it not significant who this person will be in your life or is in your life? You need to choose very carefully, ladies, when you're thinking about marriage. And then, if you've already jumped the broomstick, this is going to be material for your prayers. You know, we as men need your prayers, ladies. Especially our wives, because our wives know us really well. There's going to be insight that many women don't have into my life, but my wife does. And she's going to be the perfect person to pray for me. Your wife, ladies, you are going to be the perfect person to pray for your husband. Because you know him better than anybody else. You might even know him better than he knows himself. You know, this week... Just in relation to that, just so that you don't think we're going off tangent. Just this week, I saw, um, I saw some, some news about the new iPhone, the iPhone 6. And apparently it's a 6 Plus, right? Because it's kind of bigger than usual. Seems like, you know what I'm saying? It seems like um, as a company, you know, yeah. Slipping, Apple seem like they're slipping in their in their standards, and I don't. Who knows what's gonna? I mean, I wouldn't want to have to recall all them phones. That's not apparently because there was this big thing about ten million phones in the first week or something. Wow. iPhone six plus. It's it's <clears throat> it's very fragile. <laughs> and you know this. You know the clip that I saw that made me laugh. And you, you remember, I'm an Apple enthusiast, you know, but I'll only back it. To the degree that is deserved. You know what I mean? Oh my goodness, look. What a funny, what a funny, what a funny caption. 
if, for those of you that might be listening to the podcast and you never, end, never attended church this Sunday for whatever reason, <laughs> the picture is of an iPhone 6 Plus and it's bent and the caption is apple or banana, just so that you don't feel left out with, on the, in terms of the joke. There's me talking to people that are not here. It's, it's prophetic, isn't it? <clears throat> See, we as men, ladies, um, we're fragile. We're going like with this, and we're going like with that. We're going like with bad, and we act like we've got everything under control. And the funny thing is, we got great design, you know, because we come from an amazing designer. We got great potential, you know. We have. Ladies, the men have great potential, you know. Especially depending on who's holding that, that man. But we're broken. It's just like the picture that we, that, we, that we consider when we think about God creating man in his image and in his likeness. But when man sins... The picture of what man's supposed to look like is shattered. But you can still look at the mirror, that reflection of God, and you can still make out slight similarities, but the mirror's broken, the reflection's broken. Ladies, we're broken, you know what I mean? And we, we need your prayers. We need your prayers. We always say, well, I know I say it a lot, you know what I'm saying? And I hear Mikey P saying it as well. I'm not the man that I ought to be. And this is, this is a part of our testimony, ladies. You know what I mean? And we're grateful because you are very patient with us. Can't lie. You know what I mean? I'm not the man that I ought to be. But thank God that I'm not the man that I used to be. And that's the testimony of your husband. If he's a Christian. If he loves Jesus. And he don't want to be caught slipping. He don't want to be shabby and always dropping the ball. He doesn't want to be like that. But he is from time to time. But pray for him. Support him. Come alongside him. Don't point the finger at him. Don't berate him. Not to say that you don't confront him and challenge him. But very often it's not, the, it's not what we do. Like the old Banana Rama song. I've got bananas in my mind. It's not what you do. It's the way that you do it. You know what I mean? I'm not... Well, I ought to be, but thank God I'm not what I used to be. Now, that's a great statement, but I think I found, I found one that's even better. And it's better because it's actually even more forward thinking. And it's, uh, it's from our brother, Vody Bockham. And he says, look, <clears throat> he says, with God's help, we can be more today than yesterday, more tomorrow than today. How beautiful is that? You know, you, you can pray that for your husband. 
It may not be much to look at. But it depends on your perspective, doesn't it? Because God doesn't see him like that. Otherwise, God would, have, God would have done with him long time. God would have finished with me long time. Ladies, married ladies, this is something that you can pray for your husband. You know, faith is a substance of things hoped for. The evidence of things not seen. <laughs> you may not be seeing it. But surely it's something you're hoping for. Pray that for your husband. And for you ladies who are not married, hey, pray that for your husband, the one you're not married to yet. Pray that for him. Because you know what? I can, can, I can categorically, without hesitation, say that that is going to be true of him, whoever he is. With God's help, as men, as husbands, we can be more today than yesterday more tomorrow than today. And this relates, this, I'm sure, this relates to every man in the room, married or not. Because some of you will be married soon. We know that. We just look at the past four years here at our little church, Calvary Chapel, South London. 24 marriages in four years. I'm like, that should encourage you as to the potential. Obviously, we're not going to say definitely it's going to happen. We can't say that. You know what I'm saying? But if you're not married at the moment, you can assume that God doesn't want you married just yet. And may God, by his grace, help you to be cool with that. But you can be praying for your husband, potentially. And that he would be a man that God would be changing every day. Into his image and into and, and, and much more reflective of, of, of God. Number three... <clears throat> He must be a man. He must be a man that leads. Number three, he must be a man that leads in love. Verse 25, husbands. Husbands, love your wives. How? As Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. How are men to love their wives? You know, the ladies will say it quickly. But the man, we're not so quick to say that. This is hard to say. Because as we say it, we become accountable. How are men to love their wives? In a word, based on the text, sacrificially. Right? Because that's how Jesus loved the church, isn't it? sacrificially. See, this is what brings perfect balance to the man who says, yeah, I'm the CEO. Oh. No. You are a chief. That is, you are a chief servant. It's like the word prime minister. You know the word minister, you know what it means? It means servant. Minister means servant. Therefore, prime minister is prime or chief servant. Hey. 
I heard a speech by a man called Bruce Golden a few years ago when he was appointed as Jamaican Premier. Myself, Marky, I think Shabazz went, I think Mr Carnegie was there, I'm not sure. But a few of us went along to hear Bruce Golden, the new Prime Minister of Jamaica, speak at a conference um, up in West London somewhere. And as Prime Minister, he said, I quote, I am the most responsible and accountable man in Jamaica. The most responsible and accountable man in Jamaica. Ladies, your husband needs to be the most humble servant. A leader, yes, but a servant leader. Which makes all the difference, doesn't it? You see, there's a beautiful balance between being a leader. How do you be a leader and a servant? <laughs> well, I'm going to tell you in a minute. Ladies, is your man a man who's prepared to lay down his life for you? Ladies, don't you want a man who is willing to put you first sometimes? What I thought I was going to get an overwhelming amen, hallelujah, praise the Lord, thank you, Jesus. Yeah! Maybe I'll ask you again. (laughs) Ladies, don't you want a man who's going to put you first sometimes? Man, come on now. Oh my gosh. Of course you do. And you need to say it, you know why? Because there's someone really sitting in close proximity to you that needs to hear it. Don't you want a man, ladies, who's going to put you first sometimes rather than putting you at the end of the line, rather than putting you at the end of the queue, rather than doing everybody but you? All right, boy. I, I, I can't manipulate you, you know what I'm saying, to, to, to agree with me, but maybe you don't want to offend or upset your husband who's sitting next to you, right? Now, as I say, ladies, don't you want your husband to put you first? I got a... Where's my wife? You know, I might get a random projectile that comes over in my direction because I, like, I'm, a big, I'm the biggest hypocrite, right? But because I'm a pastor, don't make me exempt. Because I'm saying it, don't make me exempt. I'm a man, you know what I mean? And I'm a husband, and therefore, it applies to me also. And this is me, it's like, hell is, this is me speaking to myself also. Speaking to my wife, I should say, who I'm encouraging to speak to me about this issue and hold me accountable to it. Verse 26. Husbands, love your wives. Verse 25. As Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, verse 26, that he might sanctify her having cleansed her by the washing of the water with the word, so that he, Jesus, might present the church, his bride, right, to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. Our fourth point is, ladies, your husband, potentially or actually, must be a man, and he must be a man that leads, he must be a man that leads in love, 
and righteousness. Wow, this is a good looking man. Hey. Ladies, how many of you how many of you would like a man like this? A man, man's man, who leads, leads in love, and he leads in righteousness. Hey. Some of you single ladies have fallen in love with him already, right? Yeah, amen. Our fourth point is he, he must be a man that leads in love and righteousness. That means a man who he himself is righteous. The word is justified, right? He stands before God, not guilty. He's not sinless, but he's been forgiven of his sins. So you must remind him of that. As opposed to the opposite. Always reminding him of his sins. <laughs> and his shortcomings. And how long the list is. Because you've been taking notes, right? <laughs> Remind him of the fact that he's been cleansed from his sin. That he's, that he's been justified. That means just as if I'd never ever sinned. Just to help you to remember what it means. And it's synonymous with being righteous. To being, being able to stand before God guiltless. That's your man. You need to be reminded of that, but he also needs to be reminded of that. And then if he's a righteous man, he should act righteously. How I many of you know a bad tree can't bear good fruit and a good tree can't bear bad fruit? This is a man who is sanctified and is also committed to his wife's sanctification. I don't know if you can see that. Like we said earlier, he must be a Christian, but he must be a Christian who acts Christian. He, he himself is pure, right? And he wants you, his bride, to be pure also. What does that look like? I mean, that's... What does that look like for the single woman trying to ascertain her suitor's suitability? Should I say that again? Sounds nice, so I won't rephrase it. What does that look like for the single woman who's trying to ascertain her suitor's suitability? Thank you. Well... Ladies, you're trying to find the right man. That's what it basically means. <laughs> you want a man, right, who is willing to buy the car and not just rent it. I use this sometimes when, you know, me, Pastor E, Pastor B, we get, often we get invited to speak at weddings. You know what I mean? And, and I've used this one maybe twice in, I don't know, maybe the 10, 15 weddings that I've been involved in, kind of leading, speaking at. Maybe more than that. Wow. But, ladies, you want a man who is willing to buy the car, not just rent it. You know how men treat rent a car? When a man rents a car, yeah? He doesn't appreciate it. A man don't rent a car and think, man, the car needs a service. Like when the lights start flashing. He's like, I don't care. I don't, this is not my business. 
You're going to take it back and leave that to whoever? He's not concerned about the car once he takes it back and drops off the key. Once he's used the car, he don't think about the car again after that. See, we're talking about a man who appreciates the car to the point where he's prepared to purchase it and then take care of it and clean it and service it and hoover it. I don't want no one to bump it or trouble it or defile it. Right? It's a man who's committed versus a man who's not committed. See, a man who's committed to you as a lady who's potentially going to get married, you want a man who's there not just for the benefits, but is willing to take responsibility and he's willing to make a commitment that goes beyond just the weekend. Can I get a witness? See, if you're having, if you're single and you're in a relationship with a man and you're not married yet and you're aiming, you're moving towards marriage, and this is for those who are, those who are well-intentioned as well as those who are not thinking about this, especially ladies who are not considering just how men function. And, you know, it's not just men outside. It's not just men at, at a door who are not Christians who function in ways that are off-key. There, Christ- there are men who call themselves Christians who do it, and they're not Christians. But there are men who are Christians. And they flop, and they fall, and they fail, and they make mistakes. And if, ladies, if you're with a guy, and you're having to fight him off because he can't keep his hands off you, If you're with a guy that manipulates you to the point where you feel like you have to please him sexually in order to prove that you love him, that's, it's like ADT alarm bells going off, ladies, if you're in that place. Because... He's not concerned for his own purity and he definitely don't care about your purity. What is his language like? Not when he's, not, not when he's at church, presuming that you're with a man, intending to be with a man, and he's coming to church. What's his language like? Not just when he's at church, but when he's elsewhere. Is his language becoming of a believer? You know, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. You get a lot from what a man says, ladies. And um, that's also true for, for mature Christian men. Like, and I know, I have to confess that, you know, there are times when, you know, I can play the game at church. And I can say the right things in the right way. And I know I'm not the only sinner in here, the only person that's inclined to commit sin. You know what I mean? And, but then I can, I, can, I can have a different, I can speak a different language when I'm in different circumstances. I know I'm, I'm given to do that. My sinful heart is given to act like that. You know what I mean? Like a chameleon. 
not comedian, even though that's what it is, but chameleon. You know, chameleons, they, they change color according to their surroundings. You know, I mean, we've got a guard against that as men. There's another thing to pray for, ladies. And again, that's obviously for the ladies that are married, but if you're single, God help you to see this. You know what I mean? And it doesn't mean, oh my gosh, you know what I'm saying? His language is bad, therefore I shouldn't marry him, I shouldn't be involved with him. No, but it's just it's something to address, isn't it? It's something to address. And something for you to, to pray about and, and challenge in a, in a godly manner. What's his language like? What's his language like when he's, when he, when he's around your parents? If he's, if he's met them. I mean, is he one thing in front? And then... An... <clears throat> Does he gossip about others? You know, men are just as... Let me not get myself in trouble. You know, men gossip. <laughs> Lord, help me. Men gossip. Does your boyfriend, your fiancé, your husband, does he gossip? Does he talk about people behind their back? Does he malign another person's character unjustly, even justly? Send him to the person, innit? But then also, consider the fact that he obviously isn't concerned about his own purity. And he can't be concerned about yours because he's encouraging you to eat the fruit that you ought not to eat from. It's not hard to encourage someone to gossip and then make it sound really spiritual. Like, oh, let's pray. <laughs> That's how you seal it, isn't it? That's it. Let's, pray for, let's pray for them. See? Or is he, a, is, is he the type of man that corrects you and says, come on, honey, that's not cool. You shouldn't talk about that person like that. I know that's something that the Lord has been dealing with me about, boy. I mean, having said, I need to stop this. And, you know, have the, the guts to say to my wife when she's doing it, you know, honey, that's not cool. You know what I mean, we can help each other. Husbands and wives, we can help each other. Wives, you can help your husband. Don't put up with it. See? Is... Your husband, is your potential husband the type of man who will help you to see from the scriptures why gossip, why filthy language, why anything that's inconsistent with the teaching of Christ, is he the type of person that stains your wedding dress as opposed to contribute to cleansing your wedding dress? You know, you... Like your bride, you're gonna go down the aisle. Oh my gosh, I'm, uh, uh, you know, uh, I'm a man, but I know this to be true. You as a bride, you don't want anyone like like someone with a couple coming. You're getting ready. The person's doing your nails and doing your, your your makeup and getting your hair done. Someone comes in with a cup of coffee and wants to come sit down next to you. You better move from here. That's when you will start saying things that are not godly and Christian, right? <laughs> Because you don't want coffee. Imagine a coffee stain on your, on, your, on your what? On your wedding dress. Imagine egg down your wedding dress. And you, what? And you've got to walk down the aisle. Somebody better go and find that same wedding dress right like in five minutes to replace this. Because I'm not wearing that. 
you would say if you are a woman. I say that unequivocally. I know that. So if you, don't, if you are concerned about the stains on your dress as a bride, you want a man that's going to think the same way. And he's the type of man who's like, what? You got a stain on your what? It's an hour before the wedding. You got a stain on your what? Like, da-da-da-da-da-da. And he will go and he will find that dress. Even if it's one of the dresses that you ordered from Hong Kong. He will go. (laughs) You know, you get cheaper, right? It takes a little bit longer to come, but... (laughs) He will go and find that dress and bring it back in good time for you to be able to take that old one off, put the new one on, and get your hair done again and your makeup. Because you know you'd have to do it again, right? So you know that I've been married for 24 years, yeah. What am I saying? What am I trying to say? Ladies, is, is, is he pure? And does he desire for you to be pure without spot, wrinkle, or blemish? Is his desire for you to be holy and righteous? And does he do things that contribute to that? That's the fourth thing. The fifth thing is he must be a man... I've got five minutes, thank you. <laughs> he must be a man. He must be a man that leads. He must be a man that leads in love. He must be a man that leads in love and righteousness. The fifth thing is, he must be a man that leads in love and righteousness and wisdom. Verse 28, nearly there. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. Ladies, you need to nudge him and say, are you listening? Husbands should love their wives as they are. There's some information there that maybe some men don't, don't know or never heard. As their own, he who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes it and cherishes it and takes care of it and looks after it. Especially if he's a metrosexual, right? Just as Christ does the church, because we are members of his body. Number five is, he must be a man that leads in love, righteousness, and wisdom. Any man that doesn't... Any man does not, that does not realize that his wife is inextricably linked to him, is a part of him, is one with him. Any man that don't know that, he's a fool. And I'm not trying to be offensive, but a fool is someone who's empty-headed by definition. It's, it means it's someone who doesn't have the information that they need in their head, in their brain. Right? Car, you can't have this information in your head and be acting like... She's anything other than one with you. And a man don't beat up on his own, but even a, even, a, even a foolish man will not beat up on himself, but metaphorically will beat up on his wife, and some literally. You're one. And if you don't know that you're one, Ladies, that man is a foolish man who lacks wisdom. And this is linked to the next verse, verse 31. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother. Come back to that in a minute. And hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one. He must be a... So this sixth one, 
as I tag it onto the fifth one, he must, remember, he must be a man, right? And he, um, and he must be a man that leads. Between, he must be a man and he must be a man that leads. Just, just, just. You know when you put the cursor in and you hit the tab and it opens it up, right? Just open it. He must be a man and he must be a man that leads. Open that up. He must be a man, not a boy, who leads. What is it? Parenthesis. He must be a man, not a boy, that leads in love, righteousness, and wisdom. You know, they say the only difference difference between men and boys is the price of their toys. Meaning there ain't no difference. Boys do what they want to do, but men do what they have to do. And even sometimes, though, they don't like it. But it's hard. Remember, this is supposed to be an encouraging word for the men. It's hard. Men, ladies, somehow your man needs to be reminded that he's a man, he's not a boy. It doesn't mean that he can't play Xbox. Does it? It's not so much... It's not the much to play in it. It's the time that, that he possibly plays. That might make the difference. You know what I mean? It's like... You need to encourage him to go to men's meeting. It's on, by the way, it's next Saturday. Ladies, just encourage and say, hey, what are you thinking about doing this Saturday? You know, I've got men's meeting at church. Because potentially he may be doing something that may be quite immature, boyish. You know, it's, it's quite immature... And I'm saying as a, as a married man to do many of the things that men are encouraged and inclined to do in the 21st century, especially living in, in Western society. You know what I mean? And, um, yeah. Okay. <clears throat> Ladies, pray that your man would have courage. Courage to swim against the tide. Courage to Put down the things that he doesn't need to do and pick up the things that he does need to do. Pray for him. And I mean, pray for him. And this text is quite clear. He must be a man, not a boy. He must be prepared to leave his mum and dad's house. Now, I know I've got to say that one carefully and sensitively now because it's not so easy, you know what I'm saying, for a man just to say, yeah, okay, I'm... 18, I'm 19, 20, maybe 21, I need to leave home now. And I mean, like back in my time, I say my time, you know, I think I, I, can, I can afford to say that. I'm coming up to 50, you know. Like I'm 40, I'm 47. How did you know? <laughs> oh, because we're the same, oh, amen. Same, share, share the same birthday. Whew. Hey, wow. You guys know more about me than I know about myself. Um, What was I saying? I I think I can afford to say back in my day that, um, what could I say back in my day? Yeah. Listen, I left home like when I was 18. I was living in Jamaica. And that makes it even harder. 
can't, Jamaica's not the kind of place you can say, all right, mum and dad, I'm leaving home, I'm just going to go look about myself. Like, and find a job where? <laughs> it's not like London, it's not like England, you know what I mean? But I, at the same time, I know that it's not so easy to leave home and go buy somewhere and you know, rent somewhere. It's a lot of money, you know what I mean? And a um, oh, million things to say and not enough time. So, but I would say at the same time, there has to be an inclination in you as a... In, 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 in the man that you're with, yeah, because not all, I know that not all married people are living in their own house, and it's not just about living in their own house. One of the things we talk about in marriage counseling is the need for the man, because we're talking about men, yeah, there's lots to say about the ladies, but for the man to be able to come to the point where he can cut them apron strings, you know what I mean? And it's not like, oh, every week. You know, we have to go around to mum's for dinner. Now, I'm not saying it's bad to go around for mum's for dinner. Part of me is jealous because I can't, it's not so easy for me to go around to my mum's for dinner. You know what I mean? But you know what I'm saying? It's like being in a place where you're independent. Your husband, you know what I'm saying, is independent, especially of when you get married, you're an independent, you're a new family. You know what I'm saying? And you have to be in a place where you begin to function as a new family. Not that you don't take advice and help and get support from your parents. But there comes a point where you say, you know what, mom and dad, I love you and I appreciate you and I respect you. But I know you want me to do this, but me and my wife, we've decided to do that. You know what I'm saying? It's not just about moving out of the house, literally. But at the same time, I think there is something to be said about having an attitude where you as a as as potential husband and wife you have to, your husband your fiance has to be in a place where he's thinking you know what we need to be looking about getting our own place i remember helen's dad braced me up as a young 21 year old when he asked me what i was what my intentions were you know what i mean and said to me i hope you i hope you're looking to 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 to, to get a house you know what I mean? However you're going to do that to get your own place. Because he, he had a one-bedroom, um, he had a two-bedroom masonette, and it was real easy for us to live there. And we did. And I tell you, it was very hard. Very, very difficult. And, you know, I don't have time to go into it all now. But suffice to say, not just on the basis of human wisdom, do you need to be in your own place when you get married? But on the basis of, I think, the, I think the text is clear, isn't it? So shall a man leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife. You know what I'm saying? Must be prepared to leave mum and mummy and daddy. You know, a man until you're able to support yourself and your wife and picking any children if they if they if they come. You know what I mean? And I'm not saying it's easy because it's not easy. But I'm just saying there has to be that inclination to do that. You know what I mean? I don't know. Amen? Amen. 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 Instead, of, instead of looking for your wife to support you. Instead of looking for the... <clears throat> fellas. Instead of looking for the woman of your dreams, try to become the man of hers. Instead of looking for the woman of your dreams, because you know, us as men, we can fantasize and dream, right? 
Try to become the man of hers. Dr. Tony Evans puts it beautifully. We're doing a series called Kingdom Man at the moment. And one of the things he said in session one, and I think this is amazing and it's true. Look at this. A kingdom man is a man who... Do you know, as a man, you've got a destiny. You know, there's a great vision for... Ladies, there's a great vision for your man that God has. He's got a destiny to fulfill. And a kingdom man, that's every man's deepest desire. And he's every woman's dream. Instead of... Ladies, pray for your men. Single ladies, look for a man who's not so concerned about his dreams, but is also appreciative of yours. Verse 32 as we finish. This mystery is profound. And I'm saying that it refers to Christ and the church. What we see... In Ephesians 5 is a picture of a man who reflects the image of Christ, ladies. Who reflects the image of God. God originally made man in his image and likeness, as I said. And this guy in Ephesians 5 is a good looking guy. Guess who this guy looks like? It's, it's, it's been hard to go through the, te- the text and not make reference to him, the best looking guy. This guy looks like Jesus. Jesus is the God man. He's not a boy that leads in love, righteousness, and wisdom. Jesus is fully man. He knows what it feels like, ladies, to be a man. So you can point your man to Jesus. Jesus knows what it means to be responsible. He's not immature. He's mature. And that's one of the best definitions of real maturity. A person that's responsible. And not just responsible in terms of able to respond, but responsible not just for themselves, but for others. That's when you know a man is mature. When he's not just thinking about himself and his needs, but he's also thinking about the needs of others. Impeccably seen in the Lord Jesus. How many of you know Jesus never sinned? Yet he took the responsibility of the sins of others upon himself. Because they couldn't cope with it. And he took responsibility for our sin, didn't he? And he went to the cross when we were the ones who should have been executed, he died in our place for our sins. Second Corinthians 5 verse 21 says, He who knew no sin was made sin for us, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Jesus is a man, he ain't a boy. Jesus is a leader. He's the head of the church. What, I mean, talk about responsibility. You think your man's got responsibility? Hey. Head of the church, and he's the perfect leader from whom we get direction. Jesus is is not just Savior. He's Lord and Savior. He's the CEO. 
Not only is Jesus the God-man, not a boy, that leads in love. No greater love has a man seen than a man will lay down his life for his friends. And that's what Jesus did. He laid down his life. Wow. So much to say and no time. Jesus is God-man, not a boy, that leads in love and righteousness. Jesus He's not just a righteous king. He's king of righteousness, like Melchizedek. He's king of, he's not just, Jesus is righteous. So much so, much so that he's able to provide it for others, for us who put our trust in him. And Jesus is the God man, he's not a boy, he leads in love and righteousness and wisdom. First Corinthians 3 says that Jesus is our wisdom from God. Jesus is wisdom personified. He's become our wisdom and again our righteousness. Jesus epitomizes the perfect husband. And Jesus is the perfect man. And just in case you think as a non-married man that this doesn't relate to you, guess what? (laughs) Big news. Jesus wasn't married. Jesus wasn't married. Yet he's the perfect example of a husband and he's the perfect example of a man. Amen? Jesus, next week we're going to see that Jesus actually (laughs) epitomizes the perfect single woman and he also epitomizes the perfect married woman. Shall we pray? I hear you say, Amen. Amen. Father, thank you. As my brothers come to join me. Father, thank you for not leaving yourself without witness. Thank you for the Lord Jesus and the fact that he answers the question of what does it, what does it look like to be a man? What does it look like to be a husband? My father has as my sisters are here contemplating all that's been said my single sisters Lord who have a desire to be married Lord give them a heart to desire a man that's like Jesus and give them the courage Father to be able to say no and walk away Lord from a man that does not display the character of Christ but give them, give them grace Lord to know the difference between you know what, this man loves the Lord. He just needs help. <laughs> and Lord, you've provided me as his help meet. Lord, thank you that you're able to do that, to give that young lady, to give that older lady wisdom to distinguish between the two. And Father, I pray for my, my sisters, Lord, who are married. Lord, my sisters who are married, I know them well because I have one. Lord, would you please help our sisters to to pray for us husbands. Lord, to bear with us, Lord. And Father, that you'd transform marriages, Lord. Father, we're we're starting a marriage enrichment course. Lord, would you breathe on it. Breathe on us who are married, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that I learned last night that the statistics are not as bad as they're made out to be. 
Marriages don't have to fail. And as busted and as broken as they are, they can be mended. Lord, would you, would you bring a, 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 just a spirit of, of, of joy that provides strength? Lord, would you bring a spirit of hope, Lord, in the midst of what seems like devastation in marriages, even as I speak, Lord? And Lord, would you bring healing, Lord? Would you pour in, Lord, the oil and the wine, Lord, and bring healing, medicine, Lord, for marriages, Lord? I pray for women, Lord, who are here today, who are struggling, Lord, in their marriages. And Father, I pray that you give them the grace to pray. Because prayer changes things. The devil's a liar. Scripture says, Lord, that the effective prayer of a righteous person has great effect and is dynamic and powerful in its working. Lord, Elijah prayed and it never rained. But then he prayed and it rained. Lord, I pray that you give our women, give our wives, Lord, the, the, the spirit of intercession, Lord, that they go on their knees, Lord, it wouldn't be, oh my gosh, it wouldn't be a last resort, Lord. It would be, how could I forget that I need to pray? Why am I so shocked and surprised that things are difficult when the scripture says, beloved, think it not strange. Beloved, think it not strange concerning a fiery trial, which is to try you as though some strange thing has happened to you. But rejoice in as much as you are a partaker of Christ's sufferings. Lord, help my sisters to see that they're not out of your will if they're struggling in a marriage Lord they're not out of your will if they're struggling in a marriage but Lord in their tears and in their sadness and broken heartedness Lord help them to see that they identify with Jesus because he once went through pain and agony and still does because we as the church were so off key we give our we give our, our, our fiance Jesus bear drama. Lord, encourage my sister's hearts, Lord, and indirectly, Lord, I pray that you'd encourage us as men, us as married men, and us as single men to be like Jesus. Father, help us, I pray. To find out more about us, visit our website at calvarychapelsouthlondon.org or find us on Facebook and Twitter at CC South London. Join us next time for more of God's truth to transform your reality.